Hi everyone, welcome to the Is It Worth It podcast. This is the self-worth podcast where we focus on how different areas of our life interact with our sense of self-worth and how to build and maintain that high level of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I make my content under the name Beti Grew Up. That is B-E-T-I, Grew Up. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This is episode two, the foundations of self-worth and my self-worth story. In this episode, I wanted to get really candid and a lot more personal and just talk about self-worth in my own experience. I did want to alternate in this podcast between facts and research along with what I've learned in my own personal experience. And I hope that that shows you that, you know, you're not alone in this journey and no one's ever done working on their self-worth. Everyone starts somewhere and you can always build from wherever you are starting. Um, so I just want this to encourage other people to, you know, keep keep pushing and keep trying. I've come such a long way in building my sense of self-worth and I just want you to know that that's possible for you too. So I was actually doing some research um, on just how we start building our sense of self-worth as children, right? And of course our parents have a lot to do with that and I actually came across an article um, on a website called We Have Kids. This article was written by Grace Marguerite Williams. One of the things that she says um, can create a a low sense of self-worth and even a low sense of self-esteem in children is when you have critical parents, right? So a lot of us have parents that really just focus on the negative and, you know, they might be trying to help us. And this isn't to say that all parents have bad intentions or parents that do these things, you know, are bad people or anything like that. But a lot of, you know, just subtle communication over, you know, our entire childhood really can affect us. And, um, Of course, parenting is hard. I'm not saying that it's easy, and I'm not saying that anyone can ever be a perfect parent. Um, In fact, being a perfect parent can actually be worse for your child. You need to have that kind of middle factor of being what uh, Winnicott calls a good enough parent. But these were some of the, the factors that also related to my experience. So I did have parents that just kind of, even though they were trying to make me better, they did focus on what I was doing wrong all the time. Something else that goes hand in hand with this is not having enough praise. So of course, you know, you don't need anyone to praise you or constantly tell you that you're special. But when you, you know, do finish off a year of school and get an A in your class, or you do really well on a certain test score, or you're you know, putting a lot of effort into an extracurricular, you know, whatever it is, those little things do need to be praised. And parents who constantly are critical or constantly bring up, you know, what we're doing wrong and what we need to be doing better, um, all those things really do affect you. And how that affected me in particular was that it developed that internal critical voice. And that voice was focused on, you know, self-criticism. A lot of parents just don't realize how damaging that truly is and I ended up being in such a whirlwind of negativity and most of that was fueled by myself when I got older. You know, I was always telling myself that I couldn't do anything right. I was always telling myself that I shouldn't try things because I was just going to fail and all of those constant negative thoughts and that cycle of negativity and lack of confidence ended up just making me believe in my limiting beliefs. So it's not just that I had limiting beliefs because everyone does, but it's like I could only think of limiting beliefs. I didn't 
know how to accept compliments and I didn't know how to tell myself good things about myself. I just focused on what I did wrong and how I was messing up and sometimes that made me feel too embarrassed or too afraid to even share those things with other people. Even like my best friends or people that I was really close to, I didn't know how to tell them that something embarrassing happened or that I let myself down. I was so afraid that other people were just going to shove that in my face and make me feel even worse about things that I felt bad about that I had no idea how to open up and you know Brene Brown talks about this a lot and I mentioned this um, concept on my channel a few times but she says that shame cannot survive being spoken. When you start to talk about what you feel ashamed about not only do you find other people with similar stories but that burden kind of ends up you know being lifted off of your shoulders over some time because part of what shame is, is that it occurs in isolation, right? You feel so alone and then you feel like you just need to beat yourself over the head with this thing that happened and that you're too embarrassed to tell anyone about it and it ends up causing a whirlwind of negativity and these bad ideas and ways to hold yourself back instead of letting yourself flourish. A lot of my own negative ideas, because I was so ashamed of them, would end up just fueling the amount of shame that I had. And a lot of these things that I did weren't necessarily even that bad, but I was just so ashamed of doing anything wrong and telling other people because again, I was afraid that they would just throw it in my face and I didn't think that anyone could see that I could do something wrong and then still accept me or still love me. And all of that just made me feel so absolutely isolated. And this was during a time in my life where I had so many friends. I had so many people constantly around me. And even if I didn't open up to every single one, I definitely had a few that I could have talked to. But because of my own inner thoughts and my own criticism, I told myself that I couldn't open up. I ended up, you know, not really being able to develop that deep sense of friendship with other people because I didn't want to show them that vulnerable side of me. But what I've discovered since then is that vulnerability is my greatest power and it can be your greatest power too because once you take the things that should bring you down or should you know, hold you back and you own them and you say, you know what, yeah, this happened or, you know, yes, I made this decision and it wasn't great, but I did and I can own that and I can grow from that. That is what becomes your power. But when you're so ashamed and you're isolated and you're not opening up, you can't ever let that vulnerability become your power. You're letting that fear of vulnerability hold you back from everything. And, you know, speaking of that shame and that embarrassment and, you know, all of those things holding me back, I when I was getting older and when I was a teenager, I realized that, you know, I was being criticized my entire life as a child. And so I already felt like I was a bad person. You know, I wasn't, you know, drinking or I wasn't involved in drugs and I wasn't doing anything really bad. I was a pretty good kid, but I realized that I felt like I was just being punished for everything. You know, I wasn't really able to learn about other religions other than Christianity. I wasn't able to really just learn and be curious about all the things that I was curious about. And because of that, I felt like I was already bad before I had really even done anything bad. And after a certain point, I said, well, what's the point of trying to be good when I'm still being treated like I'm bad anyway? I might as well just be a bad person then. So then I started getting involved in, you know, drinking and other things like that and just feeling like I could do whatever I want because I was already being 
I was already getting in trouble for not doing anything wrong, so I might as well just have my fun <laughs> while I can and then get in trouble for that because in my mind it was like at least there's a reason I'm getting in trouble. And you know, all these really crazy negative thoughts start coming out of that mindset because you feel like nothing you do is good enough anyway, so you might as well just not be good enough. And it's kind of that self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're telling me that I'm bad or you're telling me that I'm not smart, so I'm not even going to try to be good and I'm not going to try to be smart or to learn because you've already got this idea of me, so I'm just going to prove you right. And that makes you you know, completely give up on yourself and it makes you feel like you have no control over yourself, so you're giving other people the power. That is kind of part of what um, started off my foundation in not really believing in myself from the start, but another thing that can cause low self-esteem in children is demanding blind obedience. So that basically means that, you know, you're just telling your kid, you know, do this because I told you so, and, you know, do this because you just need to because I'm the parent and I said that you should and, and things like that. And so, you know, of course kids ask a lot of questions and yes, it can be frustrating. And with some things like, you know, making your bed or, you know, little things like that, yes, it makes sense to just say that, you know, I told you to do it, please just get that done. But, you know, at the end of the day, kids are just learning and they're new to this world and they need to know, you know, why they should trust someone. And not everyone that tells our kids something is someone that should be trusted. And um, demanding that blind obedience and having them just do things because other people say that they should kind of takes away that inner voice of understanding things. And it means that, you know, it doesn't matter if you understand something or not, just do it because someone else told you you should. So you can imagine that that kind of makes the child trust themselves less and also just feel like they should be constantly shutting off that inner voice because their questioning doesn't matter and their understanding of things doesn't matter. It's just about what other people want. And when you put it that way, you can see that it can be damaging, especially when they make, you know, a wrong group of friends or if someone they don't really know is trying to, you know, get something out of them. So when you are teaching your child to blindly obey you, it may seem like it makes sense or it may seem like you're doing the right thing because you're the parent but at the end of the day there's going to be people in your kids lives that aren't that aren't you you know so when it comes to a bad influence when they're growing up or bad friends or even as an adult if they have people in their life even like an abusive relationship or someone that's just trying to take control of them they're going to feel comfortable letting that person do that because for so long they've been taught not to challenge any sort of authority and not to question things and not to even run things through their own intuition they have just been told to do what other people say and to put other people's opinions and decisions on a pedestal instead of really believing in themselves and trusting in their own knowledge and understanding. So it gets to be really damaging, especially as an adult, because that person doesn't really know how to be an adult and make their own decisions. They just continue to trust everyone around them without being able to decipher in their own mind and in their own heart whether that person, whether that person is a good person or is coming from good intentions. Another thing that causes children to have lower self-worth is requiring conformity. So um, saying, you know, everyone else is like this, so you just need to be that way. And to 
not allow your kids to be different or not allow your kids to explore their talent, especially when you're younger. You know, the things that you want to do don't always make sense, but sometimes when you get older, all the dots start connecting and you can kind of see how all of these different things end up um, creating who you are or creating your, your special gifts and your talents. And I remember when I was younger, you know, I loved making like stop motions and I loved making random little videos with my friends and in some ways I hated being in front of the camera but there was something that always kind of enticed me about it and even in high school like freshman year my friends and I would go over to uh, one of our friends house and she had like this giant macbook and we would all just sit there and take different pictures or take different um, little videos and it didn't make any sense in high school I was on you know my school's tv station in college I had my own radio show with a friend um, from the midnight to 2 a.m. hour or something like that and you know all, all those things I, I didn't understand what was so interesting to me about them I wasn't a film major I wasn't a communications major but now here I am sitting on my podcast after years of working on a YouTube channel and all these different things made sense but it had to come together to form some sort of purpose so when you're telling your kid you know don't do this just play the piano like everyone else does or play soccer like everyone else does like a lot of those athletic things didn't really grab my attention and I was a dancer for like 14 years and most of the time I honestly really 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 hated it and even though I ended up on this journey anyway I could have gotten here sooner and with a lot less pain if I was just able to really throw myself into these other things that I cared about and I was able to feel like I could fully nurture my creativity and you know I'm not necessarily blaming my parents for that because they did let me do a lot of these things that I was interested in even though there were things that I was able to explore in school and later in college I realized that it wasn't just the permission I was lacking but it was really that confidence that I was lacking I wasn't really sure how to take these interests seriously and how to focus on my strengths and my skills because I just wanted to do things that seemed impressive to other people. So when you're focused on impressing others, you don't really harness that creativity and that uniqueness that you have inside of yourself. And that's something that I've really been struggling with even after starting my YouTube channel and with this podcast and everything. It's been hard to take my dreams seriously in terms of feeling confident enough to really market them and confident enough to really push these dreams into a reality because I wasn't really given the opportunity to take these things seriously. When I was younger, it was always just like a fun thing or a thing that I did on the side or in my free time. I wasn't taught that I could pave a path for myself. I was just taught to kind of do what other people do and make sure that it looks impressive from the outside. And one of the last points I'm mentioning um, is that a lot of parents also compare their kids to their siblings or to other kids and this was something that I dealt with a lot and it wasn't just for my parents but just I was an only child so I was constantly getting compared to either cousins or um, to friends of mine and it definitely hurt because you are constantly being told that other people are better um, but it makes kids look for self-worth in others instead of valuing their intrinsic self. So instead of being taught that it's okay if you don't have it all figured out, because what child does? Like, no kid has it all figured out, and neither do most adults. 
So to tell a kid, you know, this is how you need to be, and I can't believe you haven't figured this out yet, like, that can be really harmful. So it ends up just having the kid look at other people for validation and look at other people to define what their purpose is and what their role is. Being compared to other people um, kind of started this belief in me that I didn't understand until later, but I realized how I felt about myself wasn't enough. Even if I was proud of something that no one else understood or I thought that I was talented at something, if I couldn't get other people to see that, it didn't mean anything. And that was a really damaging belief because I was waiting and just relying on other people to validate me. And um, just before I left for college, you know, I had a pretty big breakup. And when I was reflecting on how that really affected me and what I learned from that relationship and everything, I realized that a lot of that pain was because I felt like I needed someone who was on board with my decisions. I felt like I needed someone who I had to, who I could justify myself to and who was there with me. And I realized that I, it was just that search for validation, right? And this wasn't anything about the person that I was in a relationship with. It was really just my own belief about how I felt like I couldn't trust myself. So as long as I could kind of convince another person that, you know, I was making the right choices or talk about all my decisions with someone else, I then felt like that's what made my decisions okay. Even if it was, you know, participating in a certain club or like nothing was really that big of a decision but in my mind I just felt like I couldn't trust myself and that was really hard to realize and to come to terms with and that's still something that I'm kind of figuring out now. Um, I've gotten a lot stronger in being able to make my own decisions and you know standing on my own two feet but all of this started you know as a kid by being compared to other people and being told to just do what other people say through blind obedience because I was like well you know someone else told me to so that means it's okay so that means that what I think doesn't really matter because I was always told that what I think doesn't matter and again when you give other people that type of power over you and that ability to tell you what you're going to be, you don't feel that need to develop your intuition. You don't feel that need to develop who you really are because you feel like other people can just tell you who you are or other people have made their mind up about you. So there's no point in trying that hard to prove them wrong because you already don't have that support. And now all you're getting is negativity from other people and from yourself. So you really just completely give up on yourself. And that's where I was for a lot of my life. You know, I didn't, even though I was, you know, still pushing myself academically and I was always involved in other extracurriculars and clubs and I was you know, the co-chair of a few clubs, and I was volunteering. Like, I did all these things in college, but I didn't really allow myself to see the beauty in that. And I almost felt like I was, you know, making my life super busy and super complicated, even though I, a lot of those things are from the heart, and I cared about a lot of the things that I was doing. I felt like I needed that, again, to validate myself or to prove that I did have a purpose, but at the same time, while I was giving myself to these other organizations or to these other people, then in the rest of my time, I was pretty much just sabotaging myself, whether it was through partying or just hanging out with the wrong kind of people for, you know, different parts of my life. I felt like I couldn't just allow myself to be. I was always 
either hurting myself or trying to help other people. And I couldn't see the importance and the value of taking care of myself or really helping myself. Um, and even if I did, you know, I would write in my journal or I would meditate or I would do yoga and I would do these things, but then I couldn't really be consistent with a lot of it. You know, there were a lot of things that I picked up and put down and I had no idea where to start on this personal growth journey at all. You know, a lot of that time, because I wasn't allowing myself to see myself and I wasn't allowing myself to value myself, I realized that I felt the most comfortable when I was invisible, right? So even as an only child, I felt most comfortable when I was kind of flying under the radar at home and I felt most comfortable when I wasn't being, you know, singled out in class. And I kind of found my safety in that feeling of, being invisible so in some ways you know as a child I didn't appreciate that feeling like no one could really see me but at the same time I realized that if no one could see me then I could just hide and escape into my own little world and I could just kind of be myself in my thoughts and in my imagination and through all of that I you know I made that my comfort zone and I distinctly remember, you know, junior year of college, I had this realization and in my, this phrase just came into my mind, but I had no idea what it really meant. And the phrase never really left my mind. And that phrase was being, it was that I'm in denial of my own existence. And I didn't even really know what I was saying or what I meant by that, but it was this it was almost like a mantra that was playing in my head. And since then I've thought about it and I, I, I didn't want to exist, basically, and I was in denial that I was there. And I don't know, it doesn't really make sense, so I don't blame you if you can't understand what I'm saying or if you think that I'm crazy. I'm sure that someone out there understands what I'm trying to say, but I, you know, I, I was in denial that I had any sort of effect on other people. I couldn't handle criticism because I was always so critical of myself that other people criticizing me felt like the absolute end of the world, and I couldn't even really accept the positive parts of myself because I just felt like, you know, I, I, I don't want to think about who I am. I don't want to think about the fact that I can affect other people. I just want to fly under the radar because that became my comfort zone. When I started realizing that other people could be mad at me and that, you know, I could have a positive or negative effect on other people, I started really freaking out. And I know, again, that this really doesn't make sense to probably a lot of people, but I just... I just wanted to be neutral. Being neutral was where I was comfortable. And whenever I started to realize that other people could be actually really angry with me or that I could do things that were really wrong or that, you know, I could affect other people with my actions, that's when I didn't really know how to process that and I didn't know how to be okay with that. So whenever you look at all of this together, the need for validation, the need for acceptance, the the behavior of trusting other people over yourself, it all comes together to ultimately make you fear people. And I realized that this was something I was really afraid of. It wasn't just the denial of my own existence, but it was also the fear of other people. So dealing with negative experiences with friends and falling out of uh, friendships all of those things made me realize that I was truly scared of standing up for myself. And we all know those moments where we, where you kind of look back and you wish that you would have said something or you wish that you would have st stood up for yourself. And 
I have so many of those moments because I didn't know how in the moment, even if I knew that something was wrong, I didn't know at all how to stand up for myself. And that lack of ability to stand up for myself not only caused me to trust other people less, but it made me trust myself less. And because I couldn't trust myself to to really stand up for what I believed in or, you know, to do the right thing for me, it made it harder to accept other people into my life. And it caused a lot of trust issues that I'm still unpacking and I'm still dealing with now because not only was I not sure if the other person was good or had good intentions, but I myself wasn't sure that if something negative happened, how I would be able to deal with it and how I'd be able to stand up for myself and, and come out of that intact. And that's when I really had to take a step back and I spent, you know, almost over a year really stepping back from all of the relationships in my life and just thinking and a lot of that time I was kind of numb and I wasn't really doing anything and I wasn't being my you know usual outgoing funny self I was really just kind of I kind of turned into a recluse and I would just spend a lot of time alone or spend a lot of time at home slowly over time I started to come out of that that state of numbness and I started to just push myself to make amends with other people I started to push myself to really take on that negative voice that was inside of my head and confront a lot of the beliefs that I had around me and honestly this is when the magic of the universe just starts to take over because I started finding all of these books and all of these recommendations and these podcasts and these YouTube channels and just people all talking about similar things and about personal growth and I didn't really know that much about it. Um, obviously I'd heard of self-help and I've heard of some books but a lot of that was really kind of stigmatized in my mind as well and as I started taking all of these lessons seriously that I was hearing from, you know, all of these different sources in my life, I started to really be able to make sense out of all of it. And I started to realize that, you know, I've done some things that are wrong, but I can ask for forgiveness and I can forgive myself and I can move on from that. And that's really what started my entire journey of personal growth. I had to come to terms with the fact that I do exist and that I do have an effect on other people and that I can make other people as angry or as happy or as sad as I want. And I don't mean that in like a manipulating sense, but just that, you know, my actions can affect other people emotionally and mentally. And that's when I had to deal with the fact that I had allowed myself to become really toxic because that's kind of what I was used to and that's what I was feeling on the inside. And I needed that sense of empathy from someone and especially from myself to start to realize that there's always a, a chance and an opportunity to turn things around, but I, that chance won't be there unless I give it to myself first. And that's also what pushed me to start really taking care of myself and to not go too long without checking in with myself um, and opening up to other people about when I was feeling bad. And I realized that when I took that opportunity to open up at the start of when I was feeling bad instead of waiting until I royally messed up to, to tell someone about it or instead of just keeping things to myself forever, when I started opening up and I had a few people that I really, really trusted in my life, that made such a big difference 
and just being able to to believe in myself and to stop that cycle of shame. I was able to kind of stop shame in its tracks because even if I don't tell every single person in my life how I've messed up or what I did that was wrong or an embarrassing thought I had or whatever, I can at least tell, you know, a good three to four people in my life what happened. And when I am able to do that, I realize that there's so much that I have in common with other people and I realize how much all of us humans are actually really similar, you know, we all make bad choices and that's okay. It's just about opening up and not giving into that cycle of shame and not giving into those constant negative thoughts and just realizing that you do have some control over that, but that you're worth that control. You're deserving of looking into yourself. You're deserving of not having to run away from your emotions and not constantly feel shame. And again, everyone starts somewhere. So I just want you to know that no matter what you've done or how you've acted or how you've made a fool out of yourself, it's okay to realize that you want to be better and you deserve to be a better person, period. And other people around you deserve that too. The world around you deserves for you to be your best self. And you can't be your best self until you also understand who that person is. You need to understand, you know, what your strengths are, what your talents are, what your gifts are, and all those times that people told you to deny your natural gifts or to conform into being something that you're not it's okay to give yourself that chance to explore those parts of yourself. Even as an adult, it's okay. If that's what's going to allow you to be creative and to be the best version of yourself, then everyone deserves that because you can change the world by being who you were meant to be. But if you don't give yourself that chance to explore your talents and explore these different opportunities that you have in your life, then you're really not adding that much into the world either. And I wanted to leave you with this last quote. It's a quote by Howard Thurman, and it says, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That means that we don't need more people that have conformed to be the same type of person. We don't need people who are just asking other people what they need to be and what they need to do. You need to dig deep and find out who you really are and listen to your inner wisdom and build that intuition and develop your self-worth so that you feel worthy enough to go pursue those things because that really is what's going to make the biggest difference, not just for yourself and not just for the people around you, but for the entire world. The people who have made the biggest difference have been the people who have stood out so don't be afraid to be that person and it's something that you know you're going to build and be more comfortable with over time but it just starts with those first steps so I hope that this inspires you to dig a little deeper into yourself and to pushing yourself into those spaces that you've been afraid to move towards because those mistakes and what you can learn from them are actually your greatest gifts. That concludes this second episode of Is It Worth It? If you are interested in life coaching, I will leave all of my details on how to sign up in the show notes below. I will also leave the links to my YouTube channel, my Instagram, and my Twitter in the show notes as well. I really look forward to connecting with you guys on some of these other platforms, and thank you all so much for listening. Happy healing!